What's up, guys? Welcome to episode six of the Audio Rambling Podcast. And what you guys probably just heard over there, and I'm probably thinking, what the hell was that at the start of the podcast? That's our theme to tune, the new theme tune. It's our new theme tune. <laughs> yeah. Um, breaking many definitions of what a theme tune is supposed to do. We, we I like it. Yeah, we we figured if we're gonna step things up a notch, you know, um, and take it to the next level. We we need an intro theme, you know. So there's only one way of actually doing that, and that's to, you know, write the theme tune, not sing the theme tune, but record the theme tune. So we wanted something a bit short and snappy and something a little bit funky. So this is what we've come up with. Although there's a slight addendum to this, it's not the final finished version. We're nearly there. So once it is fully finished, it will sound even better but we wanted to put it on so that you all can have a listen to it. And we're going to talk more about it later on in this episode about. The... Yeah. And we're sort of introducing it now while it's a little bit of a work in progress, uh, because it gives us more episodes where we can talk about it as we make it better. As always, we'll um, begin with the news considering it's been a pretty crazy two weeks. You know, uh, we're talking at a time when the World Cup has just finished, so no longer hearing all those national anthems, um, no longer hearing three lines on the shirt, unfortunately, because it did not come home, you know, even though it did get to number one. So that's like, because we've just gone back in time to 1996 all over again. Um, but there has been music news going on, and a lot of it. Yeah, I, mean, I actually want to start off with a bit of music news that ties into the World Cup. Uh, and it's... Oh, yeah. Um, so the plugin developer, what's it called, Zynaptic, or Zynaptic, who knows, um, ha- released a, a plugin um, during this time period aimed at broadcasters, uh, and that plugin is the World Cup Horn Suppressor. Um, <laughs> so apparently there was a lot of complaints about people using like compressor horns in the stadium and all the TV broadcasts being just full up of that. And so it uses AI-powered demixing technology um, to, that sort of like analyzes the sound of that horn and just sort of snips it out of the live broadcasts. Uh, so it was uh, like the, <laughs> I think the, one of the a Danish broadcaster, <laughs> which is like, oh, we're really fed up with this. I'm not going to do a Danish, Danish ah, I'm not going to do a Danish accent. They were just sort of like, yeah, we're really fed up with this, and they contacted Zynaptic and they got on it. So uh, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling this this uh this uh plugin um and this tech stems from the two thousand and ten World Cup where it was hosted in South Africa and they had the Vuvuzela. <laughs> I think they needed it. Then. You know Yeah. Well this is yeah. the compressor horns they're going with rather than the Vuvuzelas, but yeah. and of course since since that World Cup that we had a World Cup in Brazil and we've got a World Cup here we've had just had it in Russia. And I think people were worried that there'd be a twist on the Vuvuzela, so like the horn and stuff, and people would be into that. And you that's all you'd hear from like minute zero to minute 90 or, you know, extra time or whatever. And a lot of people complained about the noise of the Vuvuzela because it was relentless. It was just constantly the yeah. whole time from start to finish. So I guess, you know, someone's jumped on this and been like, well, we can help you and help your viewers. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then... Sort of quite an impressive level of technology, sort of turned to this very sort of specific use. But yeah, um, <laughs> so yeah, there was sort of um, that, and then 
most of the other news that I've uh, got here comes from NAM. Do you have any other non-NAM news before we move on to? Um, I, well, I, I don't know if this is actually. I, I guess it's not NAM because we should have really mentioned this on the last bit of news, but I totally forgot, and that was kind of my fault. Um, was um, the Slate released the ML2 microphone about three, two, four weeks ago. I, it just, we should have mentioned it in the, in the news, but it totally went, I don't know, I somehow forgot about it, so my bad. Um, and basically it got released a couple of weeks ago, so it's the, it's the new version of the virtual microphone system, and it's the ML2, and it's it's more of a, if, you, if you've seen it, it's a more, it's a basically a smaller tube, just shape um you know just yeah, one of those and it's, rather than a large diaphragm yeah exactly and it's it's aimed more at at instruments uh as as more so than like vocals and it, again they've got a whole mic locker with it so you know it can model a load of microphones from like the s47s s67 to s57 modern which is basically the you know sm57 um you know and a vintage one of that S414, which is obviously, you know, the, the, the classic 414 that everyone uses, you know, I think it's become, well, it's been one of the go-to combinations of using an SM57 and a 414 together. So it models all these different mics from the mic locker and you get the mic locker with the mic, um, you know, and then you can kind of choose which mic you want to use from that mic locker. And, you know, once you've, when you mic up your instruments and, um, you can people are using it from what i've seen people are using it a lot of people are using it on drums and saying it's really really good because people are buying six or seven of these and then just, just emulating different drums and um it's got you know uh, some of the drums that it can do is like a, uh there's a one called an s custom kick an s12 so stuff that's aimed for like kick drums you know um uh like you know your snare and all the rest of all the rest of that so that's really really cool um and uh, I think it's giving, whereas the other one, a lot of people use it for vocals and like acoustic guitars and tried to use it, I think, as a condenser kind of mic as well. Um, this one's being uh, aimed a lot more at like using for instruments and a lot more like guitars and, and things like that and the loud instruments, I guess, if you want. Um, and uh, one of the um, other cool things is whereas with the VMS-1, um, so the, the, the first one they released, it was recommended that you had the Slate um, preamp to try and get the best um, sound of it out there. And because the preamp was so clean, so you could, when you used the modeling, it would work exactly as is. With the ML2, it's um, I guess the text got a little bit better. And what they're trying to actually um, what they're actually trying to model and everything. It's um, a lot of people have said they don't need the um, the uh, the Slate VMS, so they don't need the the actual preamp and a lot of people are going straight into their interfaces so people are using stuff like i've got my fireface people are using that people are using their audent um they're using their focus rights so yeah it's doing really well and i think a lot of people it's been selling out and people are it's going like hotcakes but i think we're going to um so it's you know it's slate's new product it's well executed as usual it's got the state slate high standard um, there's a lot of hype behind it um, at the moment, and a lot of people are getting a lot of good use out of it. I'm even tempted as well, but I think in the next one or two episodes, we'll talk more about that whole issue about me being um, 
kind of intrigued by it and wanting to potentially buy it for my own recording purposes as well yeah, um, so, because I don't have two mics. Yeah, so we we talked about this uh, a little bit off air. I know if we talk off air. Um, and uh, yeah, Fish, like, keyed on it. Um, and I don't think that was, a, I don't think it would be a particularly good investment for him. Um, so yeah, next next week I'm going to take him to gas court and uh, try and convince him there are other ways to spend his money, which considering that I've, I've got a handful of mics, which I've spent <clears throat> pounds on, um, trying to convince him that buying 13 mics for 150 pounds is, is a bad deal. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I'll be amazed. I mean, if you manage to convince me fair play, you should actually become a lawyer or something. Cause this is like going to be some kind of like, if the glove doesn't fit, it doesn't fit kind of shit, you know? I mean, cause I'm pretty locked into it. So it's going to be interesting to see the dynamics of whether I pull you into it, because I know if I bought it, you'd be the first one to come over and play with all the different combinations, which would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll save that for next episode. Um, we, we, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one, another bit of NAM news that I, I did actually sort of more want your um, thoughts on. It's not one that I have strong thoughts on personally, um, but Avantone have announced the CLA-10s based on the old Yamaha NS-10s monitors. Oh, God. And yes, I, I heard about this, and uh, CLA's been getting a lot of shit for this as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've mentioned the NS-10s before, but it's not something that I have any sort of particular feelings about. So, yeah, I thought, what are your thoughts on them, A, re-releasing this, and, and B, sort of... Uh, doing it as a sort of signature monitor speaker. Okay, there's, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things for this. So um, the NS10s, anyone who's into like in the, who's gets, you know, who works in the recording industry or in the music industry will know the NS10s were, they're, they're quite I iconic um, uh, monitor speakers. They're like, you know, they've got the black outer casing and the white cones mm -hmm. um, and they were made by Yamaha, God knows how many years ago. They're not actually a great speaker. They're, they're to, to mildly put it, they're actually a really bad speaker. But the thing is, the thing that's so, I guess, intriguing about them and why so many people wanted to start using them and why so many people started buying them and using them was because, uh, because they sound so bad, it became a thing of, if you can get your mix to sound good on them, uh, the mix will sound good absolutely anywhere. So... They, they became an iconic kind of must-have kit and many of the top studios in the 80s and 90s were all kitted out with them and if you see pictures of them you'll see two ns10s usually lying horizontal you know and it's that whole thing because they're so harsh on your mix mm. and they don't make they they reveal all the they reveal all the bad points in your mix you know if if you if it sounds good on there um then it the theory is they'll sound good anyway but they are quite a um divisive speaker because not everyone buys into the buys into them but they've they've got a very kind of they've got quite a stature stature and quite a like kind of mythical kind of thing behind them now to the point where to try and find a second hand pair and buy them in good condition they're going for many hundreds of pounds dollars you're, you're talking even going into like four figures like in the thousands of pounds now so 
Aventone, I guess, have been like, well, we can remodel these and redo them. And what they've got is they've got um, Chris, uh, you know, the world famous producer Chris Lord Algae to endorse them. So they've got CLA's name name strap across across them. Now, Mark, I don't know, have you seen the video advert or the video promo that came out with this thing? Uh, no. I saw some of the pictures. Okay, I, at some. Yeah, at some point, if you can, I implore you to watch the ad because I did. I, I, I first saw about it in a couple of the groups, and there was um, Chris Lord Algae, who's very well respected in the music in the musical world. You know, he's seen as one of the top producers, um, and a lot of people really love the way he mixes and the way he's his approach to mixing, and he's top of his game, no doubt about it. He's, he's mixed a lot of like the top few albums in the last few years. Um, and his name is on them. And so obviously as part of doing an endorsement deal for these Aventones is he's had to do a promo video. The only thing about this promo video is the way it's been scripted and the way it's been done, it almost sounds, Chris Lord Algae sounds like the Donald Trump of really due to promote. It really does. It sounds like it's literally like these aren't like just any speakers. These are the most best speakers in the world because, you know, they've got my name on them. And, you know, uh, it, the, I, you really need to watch it. And if it, you can just find it online, just type in Chris Lord Algae Aventone yeah. promo video or something like that. It, it's there. It's just the script is ridiculous. It sounds so Trump-esque. It's like just tooting its own horn. And clearly it's the marketing guys at Aventone who've done this and there's like, Oh yeah, these are like you know. I uh, I know what, and he starts off with saying, "I know what good sound is." You know, I've I've worked with good sound, all this kind of stuff, and it's to promote and big it up. Now, in terms of um, they look exactly like the uh, um the classic NS tens, the Aventones, and uh, some people have said that they will look at buying them. You know, um, and but they might get rid of the CLA name next to it. Um, but he's got a lot of shit for the advert. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, just because he's endorsing it doesn't necessarily mean. So these speakers have already started polarizing people. Um, I guess it, it, there are a lot of people who are still after those NS10. So if these can kind of uh, emulate those and from what it seems like Aventone are quite a good company, you know, um, that I think they'll sell. I think the only thing that's putting off people is the whole CLA um, endorsement because of the way the advert comes across sure. as very arrogant. It does come across. It literally, it literally sounds like this playbook of Donald Trump. I, I kid you not. I had to see it myself because people kept going on about it. And I was like, are you serious? And yeah. So in, it's intriguing to see. It's a very, very iconic speaker. Um, I kind of understand why Aventone have done it. And I mean, you know what? There will be a lot of people who will who will buy it. And you could well start seeing them in a lot of studios across up and down uh, the country and even in uh, all across the world. So, you know, it's I, I can see why they've done it. It might be a good call. I'm having the Chris Lord Algae kind of, you know, um, endorsement with it is a bit... I see why they've done it, but it's kind of, in a way, it's been a little bit... Uh, it's been hilarious the way it's played out, so... Uh, the other one I saw at NAMM was that uh, Fender... Um... Uh, in, <laughs> doing much better than Gibson at the minute, uh, introduced new uh, models for Flea, Albert Hammond Jr., a uh, new version of their Johnny Marr one, and a new finish for their Jimi Hendrix models. And alongside that, they've also also released a new range of 
Jimi Hendrix voodoo child guitar accessories, including cables and strings. And the, the cables feature uh, end pin plugs and vintage style pancake ends and oversized barrels faithful to the original with up to date 95% shielded. What the fuck? Like, who the hell thinks <laughs> they're going to get anything like Hendrix from buying a cable? Like, the man's sound did not come from his cables. It was like like from his from fingers, you know. And it's it's ludicrous that the amount of like for him. I mean, in general, the idea that just buying a piece of signature gear from an artist is going to sort of make you anything like them is completely ignoring everything that goes into the mm. guitar. But especially for somebody like Hendrix, who was a just a phenomenal player and uh, and a trailblazer and you know like te- technically you've got a long way to go before the percent of a percent of a percent of tonal difference that comes from your bloody cable makes any difference but also like you look at the gear that he was using and he was not using the the vintage gear of his heroes he was using the most sort of cutting edge techniques of the time. He was using the the most modern marshals. He was using the sort of new effects pedals. He was going into the studio and doing things that nobody had done before. He was not a guy who was looking back to what some guitarist 50 years ago was doing. And that people are, I mean, obviously there is a market for this sort of nostalgic nonsense or Fender wouldn't be releasing it in, in three fucking colors. I mean, it's a, coiled um yeah it's it's a lead i'm sure it's a fine lead fender make very good leads but for goodness sake like why are you buying into Jimi hendrix branding lunatics um yeah i mean they've i guess they've clearly been given rights to using his his endorsement or his name uh from it and it benefits not only um Fender, but Jimi Hendrix's estate. I guess that's the way it works. But yeah, this is this is a marketing ploy all over. I mean, I, I you know, what the hell? I mean, if if you really think that, like, by 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 plugging in a coiled lead into your amp, all of a sudden it's going to get you, you know, throwing out solos like you know, like Hendrix himself, like from Purple Haze and whatnot. You know, I mean be my guest to have it but otherwise i just say stick to you know this this is pure branding and marketing i mean it's it's a uh, so, so the thing is someone out there will actually buy it oh, yeah. you know someone will because clearly you know um no they're releasing it in three colors they're clearly like confident about it it's but it's yeah actual bonkers yeah i it, it amazes it amazes me. I mean, you know, I mean, Fender have been have had a very very busy NAM actually. What with the um, we mentioned it last time round. Um, it's the the what is it? It's the it's the oh, player yeah. series now, isn't it? That's replacing the Mexican series. Uh, and then uh, they've also released the contemporary series, which is um, Squire's what well, is Squire series now. So Squire expands the contemporary series with like. They've uh, they've got new jazz master and jazz bass models as well. So so Fender have been um, busy, and they're also apparently looks like they're taking shots and throwing shade at um, Gibson as well because they're releasing Les Paul esque trouble telly mate uh, trouble telecasters. So um, 
Yeah, uh, they're, 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 there's all sorts. They've, they've, they've been busy, busy boys over there at Fender. I think they're, they're, they're making hay while the Gibson sun does not shine on mm. Gibson. Um, <laughs> I, you know, um, yeah. Um, in terms of, from my, my point of view, up, away from all the, because it, it has seemed very Fender centric. And apart from, you know, Fender's big news of releasing cables <laughs> and getting you to pay an extra 10, 15 quid on them. And I mean, Fair, fair enough if you want to each to their own, but I, I couldn't personally see why you'd want it. There's, there's been a lot of other, there's been a few other things that have um, taken my interest over from NAM. Um, a lot, good old Line 6 have come out with a, a new Spider V20, uh, and they've come out with the line that it's the ideal practice amp for any guitarist. Now, Line 6's Spider amps do get a lot of shit from a lot of people because they do sound. So they can, they're, they're old school generation of amps. I, I haven't tried the one of their latest spiders, but they, they were known for being sounding so ridiculously bad that you literally had to be a, I don't know, a, a genius or even you had to be, I don't know, uh, into uh, quantum physics to try and work out how to get a good tone out of them. And even then you'd be lucky if you got anything resembling a half decent tone. But um, the new spider seems a little bit more, Small, a little bit more compact. Was it a spider that your brother had? Yes, it was a spider that my brother had, and you and I tried to dial in at least a half decent tone out of it. Um, I think we came closer to at least getting something resembling a half decent tone on the clean, but on the dirty channel or trying to get a decent dirty tone, it was um, it was forget about it. You know, it was just there was it yeah, just it was wasn't going to happen. Uh, it was it was bad. It was really really bad. You know, and and uh, we like to think that we are both capable of dialing in at least a decent tone, but yeah, it didn't happen with that. But so yeah, they they, they released it. They released a new one. Um, you know, it's got color coded controls, bat buttons, um, to provide a like you know to be intuitive interface. Um, they've got sixteen amp and effect presets, um, including acoustic and bass, so that it can handle any genre. Apparently, you know, this is all the marketing yeah, guff that they come up with. Um. I, I guess, and um, it, it, the, the thing as as with pretty much every small practice amp nowadays, and especially with all Line Six products, um, it, you can hook it up to your you know Mac or PC um, uh, via the USB port, um, and so you can add um, additional sounds and you know do some more editing and stuff. Uh, it also apparently includes a free download of um, uh, Cubase LE as well for recording, which is kind of cool. So if you are starting out. You know, or you want something to, you know, if you're like, I don't know, need a, you're, you're starting out and you've got practice amp and you also want to maybe then be able to record your ideas, it might be a good way to go. And I think from what I've heard in the last few years, I think they've 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 slowly improved their the, the spiders from uh, what they were. I don't know what they sound like. Someone can someone can tell us me what how they sound like now. You know, if they still sound absolutely dog shit, then um, fair enough. But um, you know, it might be a good starting app for people to use. It's they're saying it's about one hundred and eighty dollars, so I'm guessing it's going to be about one hundred and fifty pounds over here. And it's kind of cool. You can hook it up to your computer, and if it comes with Cubase LE, you know, and if you're like fifteen, sixteen, or whatever, or you're you're the, it's your first amp, and you're like, I want to be able to record some riffs and stuff when I come up with them. Yeah, it might be good. You know. So yeah, um, uh, one other bit of Fender as well. Um, they've hit the audio trail as well with pro ear monitors and a tweed bluetooth speaker as well so yeah. they're really going for it at the moment um and i'm sh and i'm sure and i'm sure that bluetooth speaker 
I'm hoping it would sound good, but I'm bet it's going to be ridiculously expensive as well. So, yeah, um, I think that's pretty much most of the NAM news. It, it, I, there's been bits and pieces for me personally. I haven't, it hasn't been as 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 bigger bigger thing. Um, other thing news wise, and this is um, something that you and I have again talked off off air, but we could could affect. It's not going to affect the podcast, but it's something that we could do feature wise down the road. Is there's the UK guitar show on the 29th and the 30th mm. of September and um, at Olympia. And it's been a good few years since you and I have moseyed on down to a good guitar show, tried out loads of guitars we can't afford, looked at lots of gear that we want to spaff all our money on and we can't or we control ourselves not to do it. So it would be kind of cool if we go down to that. So I think I know we've been talking off air and potentially planning to go down and check that out and see what they have on offer at Olympia. So, you know, and we might even take down the Zoom as well and try and do some stuff while we're there, you know, because there'll be lots of um, cool and interesting stuff to to see. Um, and the last time we went to one of these, God, we were, we were there for, for the whole day. And I think we pretty much went to God knows how many booths to try God knows a number of guitars and stuff. And um, while we can't get to, of course, anything like Nam, this would equally be just as good I'm sure there'll be lots of cool stuff to do there. Yeah, no, I think that'll be, that'll be good. But let's move on to our feature, Mark. Uh, we're talking about our uh, marvellous new theme tune. Oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, you, at the beginning of the episode, you, you've heard it. Um, and it sounds like that. We are an audio podcast, uh, in case you hadn't noticed. And we realised that, that we kind of ought to have a theme tune. Um, we're sort of spending all this time talking about uh, music and making music, then we should probably start the show with some music. Um, controversial, I know. Yeah. Um, Funny that. I mean, do, do you want me to talk <laughs> about what, what my thoughts behind the theme tune were? Yeah, go for it. You start off with that, and then I will um, add my two cents after that. Because, yeah, I, I sort of conceptually had some ideas for what I wanted um theme tune to be because i knew that when we're sort of like talking about these things it's really good to be able to like give examples and i know that we're going to want to be talking about sort of like different plugins and all that sort of stuff and it'd be great to have um something that we could use to sort of like demonstrate things on and we've got um lots of our old tracks recorded in the past but it's they're also not necessarily made for that specific purpose so it'd be nice to have something that could really sort of like showcase lots of different plugins and whatever in a, quite a short space of time and so we ended up sort of settling on this um idea of sort of just rotating through styles at quite a rapid rate so that we've got then a lot of different sounds in this one very short piece of music that we can do lots of you know, we will. Part of the reason for keeping it in this work in progress form that you've you've heard at the beginning is that we will be, as we go on, doing lots of like blind tests and trying different, you know, compressors and um, saturates and EQs and all the rest of it on this little section. So you will hear, I'm sure, as we go through the podcast, various different versions of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and. Mm -hmm. um... Yeah, so I mean, we we knew that we wanted to do a a theme tune for it. I mean, we'd kind of discussed it for a, for a little while, but it was kind of like we need to we needed to find the time to get together. Um, 
and you pretty much had had that whole idea laid out of like or what you kind of want it to do and have if you've as you've probably heard it's got distinct different sections to it and each different section is doing something a little bit different and we wanted it to be short and snappy because you know any podcast you've heard usually the the, the theme tune or the intro it's not it's not long-winded you want to you know when you hit play you want to get to the podcast so we wanted to demonstrate i guess you know, this, is, this isn't a, an hbo show we can't have some one minute prestige title sequence try five try five <laughs> minutes mate try five <laughs> yeah exactly I, I mean as much as i would have loved to have done a whole like game of thrones style thing i don't think we would have been able to hold everyone's attention to to it and most people would have skipped it every weekend so we wanted something that's a good way to signify the start of the podcast you know and show that we talk about lots of different styles of music so hence the distinct different sections um and Mark, you came in with the you came in with the uh, you had like the the, the synth like the sine wave or with, the, with that all kind of set up and that kind of idea you brought that along and um, and there, it was literally a case of we just literally spent one evening together we came up with some we came up with simple drums we used uh, Easy Drummer Two on the drums um, so we're really not complicated we're not making it complicated there um, what did you use on the synth again, Mark? Uh, so I was using um, VCV Rack, uh, which is a marvelous um, sort of open source virtual modular synthesizer, and I love it. Um, it's something that I will be yeah. talking about more in depth in an upcoming episode, but it's it's something that I, I've been playing with for a while, and I'm, I'm sort of getting my feels for how how I use it and, and all that sort of stuff. It's yeah, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd sort of. I had this sort of basic structure in my head, how it could all fit together. And I sort of, you know, we talked about this with the version I'd, I'd done a, so the version that you, you actually heard at the beginning was not the, the first version I, I did. I'd sort of have tried a couple of different times to get that sort of sweep going. And so I'd, I'd done a sort of like trial run through. So we sort of put that in and then started sort of, yeah, assembling the, the drums and sort of laying down some guitars and we did it, uh, did I record the the clean section and then the sort of rocky middle section on the guitar? Then you came in and did bass for all three sections. Is that how we did it? And then I came in and did yeah, the heavy guitar. I think that, 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 yeah, because it was it was a few weeks ago now. So yeah, so yeah, that's that's pretty exactly how we did it. So you had the, you had the sine wave, um, and then we kind of came up with some drums, and it was literally just using some of the drum samples that are there, you know, we didn't spend ages programming them. It, they, they didn't need to be. It's a very short piece of music. We wanted to keep it simple and use drums. We, the drums needed to change and kind of get, well, I guess, progressively heavier and faster with the way it goes because it builds up, you know, starts off with the intro drum thing, a little bit like kind of rocky and jaunty, and then it gets a bit heavier. Well, sorry, it starts off with the, with the synth bit. It goes obviously clean, it goes into a slightly rockier bit and then it goes into the really heavy bit. So we just needed the drums to progress like that. And also just to give it some structure so that we knew what kind of, so that it gave us yeah. an idea of what to do next. Um, and yeah, you then kind of. No, you did a really good job or something. That's right. Yeah. It, it, we didn't, we didn't go like, it's not like, you know, when we've worked on all our other tracks and where we sit there for, for ages, like programming in a load of drums and a load of beats and stuff there didn't need to be, it, they needed just to keep the structure of everything and keep the flow going. So, yeah and then yeah you just literally it was like obviously because we had this idea of doing the, the the four different sections pretty much and it was like going from you know synth to 
to clean to rocky to really really heavy um it was like okay well you know uh, we've got the drum the drum beat there you you had a you just started playing around with some clean chords um and what we did do is obviously because i don't actually we recorded this at my place here i don't have any guitar amps here at the moment so we were always going to go the guitar direct in and the guitar we actually used is my brother's old epiphone with p90 pickups uh when he was going through his um uh jimmy page phase he got that years ago um and it's still going strong uh and it's a guitar i think that pretty much everyone i know has used at some point um and it's pretty much the only one i have here again so in a way it was kind of cool that we were lim limited by what we had we had to get creative with that um you know so you use that guitar pretty much mark um and yes. then so yeah you guys have obviously yeah and one of the things we decided straight away was because it was a new toy and i hadn't we hadn't really taken it out for a road test was the um waves prs plugins because i bought those what nearly about two months ago now and uh it was a case of um these you know we need to try these out see if they work how good they sound you know do they work do they live up to the videos and because you get four different four three four amps four different amps and you know there's there's three different amps sorry three yeah there are three and they all do something a bit different, you know, a, um, a couple of them, oh, they all are kind of, I think there's one that's kind of geared to obviously more high gain tones, one that's going to, is geared to more like bluesy kind of tone, another one to more cleans and kind of jazzier kind of stuff. So it, it, this was a perfect opportunity to use those plugins. And also the, the great thing was um, just to get, get a grip with them. So it was literally a case of, Mark sitting there with his guitar twiddling along. So yeah, I think we're, we're sort of turning this into a little re review for the uh, the Waves PRS amp models as well while we're here. Um, I think it, like the cleans are, I think, more geared to probably towards country than jazz. Uh, and I'm basing that surely mm. on the fact that it's called the Dallas amp. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so... Yeah, that's... Um, in terms of like other amp modeling software I've used has um, mostly been just sort of a bit more sort of generic. Um, so we've we've used the the Line Six um, Pod Farm, and we've used the Bias um, sort of Pro and Bias FX at, at different times, mm. um, and we've used something else in the past as well. I think I don't remember what it was. Yeah, um, but this uh, one. We've used, yeah, Podfarm, and I think we've even used Amplitube occasionally once or twice. I think we might have done, yeah. But this one, um, because it is done in collaboration with PRS, rather than offering a huge library of amps with the sort of serial numbers um, crossed off, so it's a Narshal um, or a Femba, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they are all... Um, specific PRS amps, including one of which actually, which was an unreleased amplifier. They sort of, I, I don't know why they didn't decide it was going to get commercial release, but it did. They still liked it and they modeled it for this software. Um, so it's a little bit more of a, a focused, um, more characterful collection of amps than I've, I've sort of seen from modeling software before, which as I say, usually tries to cover every base. Um, yeah. And I really liked it. Um, I, I think I would actually say that it's the most fun I've had playing um, like amp models through a computer. Yeah, um, they're very 
the one thing I noticed from all the videos I saw was they were very responsive, especially on the cleans. They were really, really responsive. So like, you know, depending on how you hit the string, that would be mimicked into the amp and you get that kind of real amp feel. And I, and I was yeah. like, okay, the video, the video does that. That's fair enough, you know, but you can never tell with marketing videos. They're, they're quite clever with what they do, but this was actually doing that. You know, you're, you're playing there with a, with that Epiphone Goldtop P90, you know, it's on a very, very clean setting that we're using. And it was, it was being very responsive to that. When you did play the string a little bit harder, you did get that little bit of dirt coming through. Yeah. And it's not even sort of like necessarily the, the sort of the obvious dirt. It's just the, the way that the, the body and tonality of the note sort of changes. And it's something that, that makes it feel like, so with a good amplifier, it feels like, you are playing the amplifier. Not that the amplifier is playing the sound that you are making from playing the guitar, but that it is part of the instrument. And this is, I yeah. think, the first time that I've had like playing through a computer where I really felt those little subtleties of how I was playing a note. Actually, I was playing this this amp model. So yeah, no, I I, I really liked it. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, also, and in terms of like, because when you're what we usually do, the way. The way we work is like you know if one of us is playing the other one will dial in whatever so it means obviously we're using the the user interface quite extensively and i found the the graphical user interface really intuitive it was kept really simple it's quite a clean design um it works really really well they've got basically they've got artist presets that have been like made by like basically devin townsend you know megadeth producer chris Rakestraw and a load of others. They've got eight speaker cabinets that have um, eight, sorry, eight speaker cabinet um, impulses, you know, with automatic. So in, in a browser, so you can choose from those eight different speakers and they really do behave like, you know, in, in any way you want. And you have the option of adding your own, like, you know, speaker cabinet IRs um, and you can run two of them simultaneously. So if you've got a load of like, you know, impulses, from loads of different speaker cabs you know and you want to bring them in go for it and you want to match them up with what else they've got and then yeah it's got you know um just a lot of different things and integrated noise gate which works really really well um and it i found for the clean it was just like when we were coming up with these that it was just it was you know we found it we found a nice clean tone that kind of ring, it was ringing it had nice warmth to it um i've really not had to do much in terms of the eq and stuff and I mean, you and I have both found it, Mark. I mean, you know, we used Podform for a long time, and while it was good and it served us very, very well, and even um, Bias as well. Although I've used, you haven't used Bias so much. I think George has used it more. It's with the cleans, you get good clean sounds, and on Bias, you do get a good clean sound. But I did have to spend a long time uh, fiddling about with it to get it where I wanted it to be. Um, but with this, it was kind of very intuitive, and I literally used a preset and then went from there and edited it and it had a nice thick sound to it it didn't sound really tinny it had the mids in it the way it needed to so it was that was really really good so for the for the clean sound it was like you know we kind of decided we're going to use these prs ones we're going to give them a go we've got all these different settings so it worked out for the clean one straight away we were like okay yeah this, this is really doing it um you know uh like what it's bringing to the, bringing to the table it's got that tone that we're looking for. And because you were playing some nice little arpeggios that were really ringing and it just really, I, it felt like you were actually playing through an amp when we were sitting there listening to it. We were like, okay, you know what? This sounds, this is actually beginning to sound like an amp. So obviously PRS have modeled it really well and waves have done 
their side of things as well with what they with how the how the plugin's been programmed and how it works. So yeah, that, I, that I worked would, really really well. I would sort of like put the key distinction that these things almost never sound like you're playing an amp, but they yeah aren't generally trying to they're usually trying to sound like a good recording of an amp because it's sort of like there is always just like the physical difference of um of sound coming off one 10 or 12 inch cone just has a, a different feel in the room than the sort of monitor speakers that you get when you're listening on a computer so you know the, even with a perfect amp modeler it would never quite sound like a playing guitar but it's sounding like a good recording yeah no definitely um, and really when you're recording music that's what you want so. exactly exactly that and and th th that's the main thing i mean we've and we've we've used in terms of you know we've used amp modeling software for cleans and for for a lot of high gain stuff and generally i found on the cleans is where you, I've had to do more EQing, more compressing and stuff to get that body and warmth like really, really up there. And I've had to get a bit creative in the past, especially with Pod Farm. Like you know, um, okay, we're going back about seven, eight, nine years ago now. You know, I used to find out with, with that, with that even more so, especially on the cleans. Uh, whereas with this, it was just yeah, it felt a lot more fuller and it 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 did justice to the guitar as well. So. Obviously, we got that bit sorted, and we were like, "Okay, this is sounding good on on the cleans." We're now going to go for because you were still working on this, but you were you were like, "Okay, I've done the clean bit. Let's move on to the the slightly faster, rockier bit." We got a slightly faster drum beat. What you know, what what to come up with? So we wanted basically you know a slightly rockier kind of tone. It's got a little bit of dirt to it. And we're not going to go full high gain. So again, using you know the PRS, and we we're just trying to find you kind of had a riff that you started playing that worked and we were like okay this works just need to find the tone that does justice to that you know um and yeah we we found it and you kind of recorded a few takes of it and it worked really really well so it was like okay again it was really intuitive using this uh the, you know using using this i think i can't remember i'll be honest with you i cannot remember in which order we use what i know we used the archon on the really heavy one but i don't know if we used the dallas twice or if we used... I think we only used the Dallas for the clean and then used the Archon for the, the two. Um, just all we, used we used both of them, uh, the, the Archon twice, because we were able to dial in a slightly rockier tone for that and then like go full heavy on the, on the last bit. Once we'd got those guitar bits together and we were happy with them, it was like, right, time to get the bass, the bass bits done. And... Um, for my bass bits, we went again direct in. But what we did was we used my Dark Glass Alpha Omega, and I used my Ding Wall as well with the preamp engaged as well. So I managed to get a really nice heavy bassy tone. Actually, on the on the uh, clean bit, I actually kept that clean uh, on the Alpha Omega Ultra. I didn't actually even use that much dirt on it. We kept it because we just wanted a clean bass tone, and then. For the next bit, we wanted quite a dirty tone, so I had the preamp engaged. I had the dark glass Alpha Omega engaged. We had a nice, dirty, kind of gritty sound to match your riff um, and to match along with the drums. And then I think we we knew we wanted to come up with something really, really heavy, uh, which meant you had to engage your inner metal guitarist for once. Yeah, no, I mean I've I've been on a lot like so between. Um, there's been bits uh, in our 
band playing in circles that have like edged towards and never quite getting into actual metal but edged definitely in that direction um they obviously your project existence zero uh, is definitely in the cosmic war metal category george's uh, project Sign to die um sort of covers a lot of the metal stuff um assimilating fear with neo is another so all of these projects I've, I've sort of been involved with at various points lots of heavy guitars going on uh and i have uh sat it out i have made myself into a bit of a sort of like non-metal guy on a metal track specialist um coming in and putting a bit of a bit of clean guitar here or, or some orchestrations there um and so i've never really in earnest like actually done the heavy bit myself so uh this this theme tune was a first for me yeah and it's special um but like so this is like at, kind of why we ended up writing it the way we did because i sort of knew that i had the overall structure in my mind and i sort of was very confident in being able to just do a bit of noodly clean guitar for for one bar and then do something a bit rockier for one bar although actually that bit because like we wrote and recorded it in the same day and we had an amp that was an amp model that was actually nicely showing up the nuances of the playing <laughs> we ended up having to sort of like slow down the tempo of the track just to sort of like really nail how each note was going to be played and then slowly speed it up to get it sounding right because when you've only got one bar to work with it's you can't afford to muck about um so yeah no, I, I was i was confident doing those two bits and then so vish came in and sort of yeah recorded his bass under those two bits sort of like got the feel for how the progression was going and then because vish does have all the metal internalized then he laid down the bass for the third part so that i had a guide that i could sort of play off of to actually sort of do something for that last little heavy part so yeah no it's it was definite sort of playing to our strengths and, and sort of finding a way to collaborate when you're changing styles every bar it it's it's not something that you could do all the time i think you would a kill yourself and your audiences if you sort of change genre every every bar but as a little sort of like um exercise in in composition trying to get some sort of flow when you're not having any stability was was fun i'll be honest with you you did a damn good you know you could start playing in a in a metal band with that riff that you came out with you know it's it's got the feeling and i have to say the archon the way it sounded uh once we got the tone dialed in exactly where we wanted we got the amount of kind of distortion we wanted the amount of gain it sounded absolutely i was really really impressed at that sound because that could have easily come out of bias or something and it was so easy to do so yeah it sounded it sounded really really cool so that's pretty much how we kind of like came up with it you know did and it was just like literally one night or one evening and yeah you're right you know you can you can do you can take that approach to music but i think in the context of our of our podcast it works absolutely great just before we move on to the what we've been listening to section uh would you say the prs uh the waves prs supermodel a thumbs up from you you know yeah definitely yeah no as uh, i mean i, I think it's, it's fair to say it's the most 
um, is the best I've felt playing through an, an amp model on a computer. Got really good tones from it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoy listening to it and we'll keep adding and improving on to it because it's never finished. All right. So we're now on to everyone's favorite section off the week or off this podcast. So, Mark, what have you been listening to since the last time we talked? Uh, I've just been listening to the theme tune on repeat. Uh, and because it's so short, so far <laughs> I've heard it uh, 2,874 times. And I was I was halfway through listening to it again, um, but then you rung up for the podcast, so I had to stop. So once we've finished, I'll go back and listen, listen to that second half. Sorry. Um, if you listened to it that many times, I should have put it up on Spotify. I would have had about 5p by now in royalties. <laughs> yeah, that was right. Uh, no, I haven't been listening yeah. to much um, recently. I, I, um, I've got holidays coming up soon, at which point I'll be listening to lots of stuff and catching up on everything I've missed. But yeah, how about you? Two things. So I've come across recently, um, well, I knew of a band of who's been existing for a while, but I just didn't bother actually sitting down and listening to them, even though a lot of artists I like and a lot of musicians I like uh, and a lot of other people I've been listening to recently, I really dig this band. It's a band called The Contortionist, which I think I actually messaged you about off, you know, uh, we... You did, yeah. I haven't had a chance to, to check them out yet, um, but they are they are high up on my list. They've been around for a they've been around for a good few years. I know I've known of their existence. I've known of who the contortionists are, but I haven't heard what they're all about. Um, but I knew they kind of fit into the whole proggy metal side of the world, you know. So mm. they can get they can do all kinds of very different things and get quite experimental. Um, so I finally decided to you know sit down and actually have a listen to them and and check check them out and stuff. And just went on Spotify and started listening, and I was hooked in actually straight away. Um, so their earlier stuff is quite heavy. They do they they have a lot more heavier stuff, and you know, um, they've but they 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 shift from heavy to clean stuff, very ambient stuff, and very synth based stuff. Their later stuff, uh, and especially their latest album and their last two albums, has gone very much more very ambient, very synthy kind of stuff. Really quite progressive kind of bits. They don't go. They they're one of those bands that have a lot of like three and four minute songs, as well as having a few six, seven, eight, nine minute songs. Not not every song of theirs is actually about you know a fifteen minute piece that you really have to kind of concentrate to get through to the other end. Um, and one of the things I absolutely love of their and which this is why I, I told you you need to check them out is the use of synth and the way it adds kind of the ambient vibe. And the synth tones they use, and also then the way the bassist incorporates his bass lines with the synth, it sounds absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, the, the, they get quite technical in other ways. They're not always they're not playing like super technical fast metal riffs all the time. Uh, on their older stuff, they have a lot of that. They have some of that, but on their last two albums, it's very much more very relaxed, very chilled out, very ambient. But it's kind of like a band um, that's kind of found out. W- like they've they've grown together and they found out where they where they want to go and they're comfortable with where they're going, and um you know it's they've got some songs that are really really chilled out and just I love the synth tones you know and I don't always I'm not always the biggest like I'm not a synth specialist already like you know always huge on the synth side of things but absolutely like brilliant and um 
I quite like the vocalist as well because he's not always doing the full-on growling stuff. He can do very, like, kind of, you know, just kind of thoughtful singing uh, and the lyrics are, are really, really good as well. Um, so, yeah, their, um, their, their latest album is, I think it came out, um, I think it came out, in uh 2017 so the back end of back end of the, of, of 2017 and um yeah they they've i think they're about a six or a, they're uh yeah they're they're a six piece and um they've they just you know um they've played they've played alongside the likes of acacia strain you know animals as leaders and all of that and there's a lot of like i said there's a lot of the bands that i listen to who really really dig this band and they're like you know they're really awesome they're one of those bands I've just found out about and they only just finished their UK tour. So literally, as I've been listening to them, they only finished their UK tour earlier this week uh, as at the time of recording this. So that was a little bit like, oh, crap. But they, I'm... That is when that happens. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things because I, I haven't really, you know... So they, they released their uh, latest album, Clairvoyant, and it's just really... Re- I just really love the vibe of it. It's... And I love I love the combination of the guitar riffs, you know what they're doing, clean and distorted. There's and some of the bass lines just sound absolutely. I love the bass tone, the way it works. It's absolutely brilliant. So um, I think for you, definitely, because you're really big into your synth at the moment, and or you know, and you're kind of this is a thing you're pursuing. I think you would really, really enjoy them. Um, so definitely go and check them out. There, there might be people that who listen to us um, who know the contortionist and will know what I'm talking about. But they've literally been on my repeat, and I just have them on. They, they, they are a band that you can very much listen from album to album, and it tells a story. But I've just had them on to try and get a good feel of what they're all about through the discography. I've just had them on shuffle. At some point, I will sit down and listen to each album from start to finish, and I think I'll get an even fuller experience. But so far, I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, so definitely, check, uh, I would, I would recommend them. I, I think you will really, really like them as well, Mark. And then the other thing that I listened to, which was literally only a couple of nights ago, while I actually watched it at the same time. Um, so myself and my other half, we decided we were having dinner. And um, I mean, there was no actual football on because, you know, this is um, we're, we're coming to the end towards the end of the World Cup. So there's not four matches every day. So, you know, you actually have to find something else to watch. And I think the tennis was pretty much finishing. Um, and BBC Proms has started up, obviously, because it's that time of the year and oh, over here yeah. in the UK for all of you who aren't okay with it you know throughout the summer the bbc proms runs in royal albert hall where loads of um, um orchestras and like loads of classical music and lots of different you know kind of music gets played all throughout the summer and it's kind of like a festival of celebrating all that all that kind of music so i think it was the opening night of the proms on bbc2 and i just happened to just change it and uh, i came across um the bbc symphony orchestra doing um a rendition of gustav gustav holtz the planets the full suite so starting off with yeah starting off with mars and then finishing off with neptune the mystic and i've heard this before in bits and pieces over the years and but i'd never heard it from start to finish like that and uh i kind of at first i just put it on i was like okay yeah no you know um i was like i'll have a listen and kind of you know is i i knew half of what to expect but i was like but I kind of got sucked in and I was just mesmerized. I mean, the BBC Symphony Orchestra, one of the top orchestras in the world, you know, um, to play for them, you really have to be at the top of your game. Um, I'd say they're like just literally, they're, they're on a level with like London Symphony Orchestra, you know, um, they, they do a lot of like high quality kind of like orchestral renditions of things. And this was absolutely amazing, their rendition of, of The Planets. It was so well done. 
and just the feeling of it it sounded amazing i was sucked in and it was great to like because obviously when you hear it, it you forget how much of an influential piece of music the planets has been to to like sci-fi um and so obviously when listening to bits of it i you could hear like oh wait you know i can see where like movies like star wars jurassic park that totally makes sense where they've taken inspiration even lord of the rings where these composers have taken inspiration or even taken excerpts of these music and then repurposed it for their films um and it was absolutely beautiful um beautifully done and the first time i've ever listened to it from start to finish it was so well done i also one thing i absolutely loved about it was the dynamics of the playing the way the orchestra was just so in sync not a single mistake made the musicianship was off the charts the conductor was brilliant and just also like you know when it like one of the key things about an orchestra which you will know is like because it's such a light you get the best experience when it's live and it's about making those quiet bits sound really quiet and then the loud bits sounding really you know they really grab you and they did that so well just the way they would just kind of like end a end one of the pieces you know and it ends really quietly and they're just doing it and it's like a manual fade out that's the only way i can put it but it's done just way more better than any automated fade out could ever be done in in the world and yeah it was brilliant and i mean you and i have read articles on the way you know on the quality level of uh bbc when they um when they show music you know and yeah. how they do the live mixing process and i was just looking at it and how they must have done this live mix. a to get the level of sound quality all the microphones getting all the musicians in place the good thing is the royal albert hall is one of the top venues in the world so acoustically it's built for that kind of music and it just sounded absolutely brilliant i'm definitely going to i think it's on iplayer um but at some point if they release it on cd or something for me it might even be a it might be, even be a must buy I'm even tempted to have like one or two of the tracks even featuring because I'm getting married next year, even see if we can put them in at some point in our wedding because they, it, it was absolutely brilliant. I enjoyed it so much. I don't sit down and listen to as much um, orchestral music as I used to. Um, and I don't even sit down and watch like orchestras and stuff and BBC proms as much as I might have even done in the past. So it was great to kind of reconnect with that side of things. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, it's on iPlayer, so if you get a chance or to listen to it, I know I'm sure you would probably enjoy it as well. But definitely enjoyed that. That was a, that was a good way to spend a Friday evening. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, no, that sounds all good. Um, I will have to keep my eyes peeled. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so that's pretty much what I've I've been checking out over the last couple of weeks or so. So yeah, I think we've pretty much come to the end of a, another episode of the audio rambling podcast mark as always it's been fun it's been emotional um anything <laughs> else interesting 